And the wages of sin is death. And it doesn't pay to do wrong. Now, some people might think that, that it pays off for them. But in the end, doing what's right is really, really, really important. Um, our, memory, our scripture of the month this, this month says that the, the sower gets wages, gathers fruit to eternal life. And so I was thinking about that this week, and I got, I got really upset one day on my way to church. It was on a Sunday, Saturday afternoon, I was driving all by myself, and I really feel that it's important to follow the rules of the road. I, I feel that if it says 55 miles an hour, you should go 55 miles an hour, and I try to do that. And I know sometimes um, I don't do that. Um, one of the vehicles that I drive doesn't have cruise control, so uh, sometimes I'll be driving down the road in that one, that vehicle, and I'll realize, oh, I'm going a little bit faster than I should be. But I try to, to always go the speed limit. So there was one day I was on my way going to church, and I was going 55 miles an hour down through Hillcrest to Shenango Bridge. And you know where that new store is, Needful Things, that used to have like the steeple that was tipping, tipping, and now it's gone. You're like, oh, that's not, I can't look at that crooked thing anymore. But anyways, you know where that store is and that's that road there? All of a sudden, I'm going on the highway 55 miles an hour. All of a sudden, on my right-hand side, I see a car go flying past me like I was standing still. I go, how in the world? Next thing I know is I see the speed limit for that, that road, 30 miles an hour. I go, whoa. I was like, how can that person be going that fast? And so I'm just like, these people that, that are so dangerous, and why do they have to drive that way? And so I was going with my wife was driving to the concert Friday night from school. And we were getting ready to turn left onto 12A. And a car went right past us, almost hit my wife. And she said, that wasn't safe. And they got up to the red light. And there was a red arrow. And they waited at the red arrow for about 15 seconds and apparently got tired of the red arrow and turned left like, like they were going crazy. And I said, Wait, whoa. That person just had to get out of there so fast. Until we got up to the bridge and we were parked right next to them and <laughs> they didn't get very far, right? How many times has that happened to you where you're driving down the highway and somebody goes past you at 85 miles an hour and you guys end up at the same red light when you get off the exit? How often does that happen? And you just think to yourself, wow, sometimes it really doesn't pay to do what's wrong. And I don't believe at all. And I tell this to people all the time. I'm not somebody that thinks it all or believes it all in karma. I don't believe you do good things so that good things will follow you and uh, happen to you. I also don't believe that, you know, if you do bad things, bad things. And, and I've taken people through the Bible and I say, if you've studied the Bible, when people do right and people do good and follow the Lord, bad things are just as likely to happen to them. But you see a Savior that carries them through it. And a Savior that blesses them through the situation. But I do think that there are consequences for your actions. You do wrong things. And consequences 
will follow the wrong things that you do. Read the book of 2 Samuel. Uh, my wife, I think, was talking, I think it was Michelle, was talking to me about 2 Samuel, and that's a depressing book. And I, I've said it again, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If anytime you read the book of 2 Samuel, it ought to touch your heart as you see David's life and his family spin out of control because he did something wrong. And a man who loved the Lord did wrong, and the consequences of those that action followed him for the rest of his life. It's very, very important that we understand that. And so last week we were talking about this man by the name of Jacob. His name means heel grabber, deceiver. And when he worked with his brother and his follower, his, his brother and his father, not his father, uh, his father, he lived up to his name. He deceived his brother. He deceived his father. And he ended up stealing his brother's birthright and his brother's blessing. He deceived his father into making him think that he was Esau. He got his mother in on it, and, and they did something pretty rough. But in Genesis chapter 29, we see a deceiver deceived. And so let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 29. Um, one of the things that I have been trying to do is I've been trying to take us through the Bible and look at a number of places in the Bible where there's deception. And lies. And people are cheated. And because in, a, in the world in which we live today, there's someone out there every day who wants to try to deceive you. To take your good name as a Christian and drag it and abuse it and steal from you and lie to you. And I want you to know that that's nothing new. And that God has been uh, helping believers come to the truth and to know the truth. And God has been uh, dealing with those who are deceitful. And in Genesis chapter 29, verses 15 to 30, we have a deceiver who is deceived. It says in this passage of scripture, Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel your daughter, your younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. And Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go into her. And Laban gathered 
all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob and went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpha to his daughter, Leah, as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served Laban still another seven years. Now, if you want to, if you want to, uh, Read a book about a dysfunctional family and things that you you ought not to do in your life. Um, just read through Abraham and and the fa- the fathers, the patriarchs. As you look at what Abraham did and what Isaac did and Jacob did and Jacob's sons, and you want to find out how to have uh, a dysfunctional family, you'll see through that that that. God worked in spite of those guys and their problems. And so there are some things that, that I noticed um, in this passage of Scripture. And in verse 15, I put, I put up there, I promise I will pay you. And in verse 15 it says, Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me. What should your wages be? Laban is saying, hey, Jacob, you're my relative. We, we've been working together. I need to pay you something. You're my relative. I promise I'm going to make good for you. If, don't worry. I've got this all covered. Now, in our lives, have you ever had somebody come and they say, I need to borrow. I need some help. And I promise... I promise I'm good for it. I'll make it up to you. Ever had somebody say that? And then you, one of the things that maybe you ought to think when they begin to say, I promise I'll make good on this. I promise I'll make it up to you. Maybe the first thing you ought to think is, I don't believe that. But that doesn't mean I'm going to keep from helping you. Do you, know you know what I mean? Because they might promise and say, I, I promise you, I'm going to... Make this up to you. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to make it right. And if you go into, well, you know what? He promises. He 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 swears swears to God. I heard someone say this once. They said, if someone starts out their conversation with you, I swear to God, I'm telling the truth. It's probably a lie. Because what does the Bible say? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Right? So I kind of say, you know, 
Leave that. I swear to God I'm telling the truth. Leave that out of your vocabulary, right? Just be honest. But when someone comes to you and they say, I, pro I promise, I promise, I need... That doesn't mean you can't help them. That doesn't mean that you can't go through and, and try and help them through a difficult season in life. Just maybe when you help them, think, it'll be nice if you pay me back, but I'm not counting on it. Does that make sense? Because when this guy Laban, he says, hey, we're worth relatives. I'm going to pay you something. Laban was already scheming and plotting how he was going to take care of this. And I put in verse 18. Here, here we go. Verse 18. Now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. He was swayed by a beautiful woman. And it wouldn't take very much for him to listen to Laban's offer. Hey, work for me seven years and, and I'll let you marry her. I often think about that um, when all of a sudden in high school, I watch couples begin to uh, blossom and they like each other. And it's funny when you're working with junior hires, you guys understand this. Uh, we'll say, will you go out with me? Please check. Yes or no. Right. How many of you guys were guilty of that in seventh grade? But and then they pass that note and she checks. Yes. And her and all her friends giggle. And then it gives the note back. <laughs> John, I like that. Good, good, good giggle, John. And passes the note back and now their boyfriend and girlfriend. And for the next month, they sit on opposite ends of the lunchroom with their friend just giggling back and forth. There's, they don't talk, but they're boyfriend and girlfriend until, until they break up. Then it's a big deal. But I often think, what if they had to work seven years before they got married? Like Jacob did in, in, uh, in the book of Genesis. Maybe they'd choose a little bit more carefully before they checked that yes or no box. But it's really interesting. We often make poor choices because of an infatuation with someone else. I see, I see some young guys in the room, and I, I would warn them, as you are looking for who you would spend the rest of your life with, make sure you pray about it. And those of us who have been around a while, and we've watched and we've seen people enter relationships and leave relationships. We think to ourselves, when that relationship comes around, you need to pray about it. You need God behind it. Because you can make a mistake. And you can follow the wrong person. And it can lead you down a very, very wrong path. I know it's been really interesting going from working with teenagers to working with all kinds of adults and sitting and talking to lots of people. And to seeing it 
from the teenager perspective and that infatuation and Twitter pated to quote from uh, Walt Disney, Twitter pated, remember that word? And then to watch how adults and people have been broken hearted and to wish that they had entered into prayer a little bit more before that relationship. We need to make sure that God's behind it. I went into a visitation at the prison recently to talk to someone about about the Lord. And as I sat and waited, I was amazed. As I watched, it became time for the visitation to start. And here there were all these girlfriends waiting to go in, and they were putting on their perfume. And I just thought to myself, wow. Wow. May I say more? And then in this this case, we have this guy, Jacob, the deceiver, the guy who deceived Esau, the guy who uh, deceived his father. All of a sudden, in this story, in Genesis chapter 29 and verse 25, the bait and switch. That's what we find in the world. It says in verse 25, so it came to pass in the morning that behold, it was Leah. What a, I, I'm so glad that I never had any experience like that in my life. Because could you imagine? And woke up in the morning and there's Leah. Oh, Wow. <laughs> It's got to be the strangest verse in the Bible. No. But as we look at that, Laban had deceived Jacob, a relative. He, he baited him with Rachel and he switched him for Leah. Maybe uh, Jacob should have been looking at the fine print. But as we look at this in our lives, there is a world out there that wants to bait and switch. They want to entice you. They want to draw your attention away from the Lord and make things look glamorous and worth it. And when you go chasing after it, you find it to be lacking. I'm glad God's not in the business of baiting and switching. He's promised us heaven. Heaven is coming and there's no bait and switch there. He's promised us eternal life and a Holy Spirit that will guide us through there. But in the same process, God said, he promised, he said, if you follow me in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. We, we can count on that, that God is not going to bait and switch us, but the world wants to do that. Anytime you are enticed or, or swayed by a beautiful woman or the promise of financial gain or that um, a night out on the town with the drugs and alcohol will be worth it, it's a bait and switch routine, and in the end, it will be lacking. He used, in verse 26, Laban used a technical, a legal technicality. He said, and Laban said, it must be done so in our country to give the younger 
before the firstborn. And it's the same thing. I was reading something that there are certain things that the rest of the world find very strange that Americans do. And if you ever look or, you know, want to watch a video or read an article about that, just look up something that the rest of the world finds strange that Americans do. One of them is we give things these weird values, and then when the price comes up on the register, it's completely different than what you saw on the price tag. You see, oh, it's $9.99. So you don't think, oh, it's not $10. And then you go to check out, and the sales tax has been added on. You know that, isn't it kind of weird that other countries have sales tax, but they put it on the price tag when they, when they put it out in the store. It's very unique to American culture. So when they go up and they see a price tag and they take it up to the register, it's what they promised it would be. And so there's so many times where the world out there might say, well... And they try to get around. They're going to try and trick you and trap you into falling into the dangers of sin. And maybe on a legal technicality. You want to try this, and maybe you have before. You know how your cell phone company promises you a certain price. And then you get the first bill and you're like, that's not the price they promised me. That bothers me. You know, they got all those taxes and fees and surcharges and stuff. I, I, I dare you this one one time. Next time you go to sign up for something like that, ask them. Just say, can you tell me what the bill is going to be the first time I get it? Like, I want to know, like, everything. Like, I want to know the final number I'm going to have to pay. Because I tried that one time. I knew there was going to be, you know, and I was pretty ready uh, for the taxes. And I spent... Five, ten minutes trying to get this guy to tell me the final price. And he couldn't. It was against his, what he was allowed to tell me. He couldn't tell me the final price. You know, the, the devil's is doing the same thing. Isn't he? I dare you to go out there in the world and tell them what the final price is. Go out and ask what the final price of an affair is. The offer might look good at the beginning, but the end product is not worth it. Maybe a lot, maybe lying or stealing. It looks like it could be lucrative business, but they won't tell you the you will never find out what the final price is until you are paying for it. What the final price of a lie is. The devil, he's going to try and convince you, deceive you. And to believing what he has to offer is worth it. And then in verse 27, as I look here, you know what happened to, to the deceiver when he was deceived? Seven years more work. He ended up getting Leah and Rachel, which, which sounds like a punishment. And I mean, I... I am being I am being very, very serious and, and I am not saying anything bad about a female. I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm not trying to but you read the Bible. You see so many times in the Old Testament where there are these guys that married more than one woman. And I'd like you to show me once 
where that doesn't end, end in some sort of disaster. Just, just try and look in the Bible and find out where. Because what was God's plan? One man, one woman, forever. And that's what, that was God's plan. And a lot of problems came into Jacob's life as he entered down this road. He had to work for Laban seven more years, and that relationship didn't end well. And as I just as I look at this passage of scripture, he found the final price to be more than what he had bargained for. And if you follow sin, if you head down that road, you are going to find it to be more than what you bargained for. As I, as I watch and as I look and I see what people go through, they think that sin will solve all the problems. It will make them feel good and, and they will end up with everything they ever wanted. But a lot of problems come with that. And as I look at this, Jacob stole from his brother. He deceived his father. And even though God got a hold of Jacob's heart and relationships were, were restored and redemption happened, the deceiver here was deceived. And he, he had to pay for, for what he had done. It came back around. And, and, and I am going to be clear. I don't think that this was like some karma thing that because he did bad, bad followed him, but but he was a deceptive person. And the consequences of deception is that that deception followed him. And there are consequences for you doing wrong. There is a payment and a price to be paid. Sometimes that payment is felt here on this world. But trust me, and this is probably the most important part, is that every sin has a steep, steep price. The wages of sin is death. And I think that some people in today's day and age think, well, death, that, that doesn't sound so bad. I live, I die, and it's over with. And so I just want to live fast and loose and, and not even worry about the consequences of that. Because when I die, it's over. Well, the truth is, is that there is eternity to follow. And as I look at what Jacob went through, when the deceiver was deceived, seven more years of work, well, compared to what the eternal consequences of sin are, I'm sure Jacob was very glad that God put him through this whole thing where the deceiver was deceived. He had seven more years of work, had to work 14 more years so that he could come back to Bethel. God could get a hold of his heart. He could wrestle with that angel and God would touch his life and change him forever. And his name would be changed from Jacob the deceiver to Israel, he who strives with God or 
the prince of God. And he could become a man of God. And I'm so I'm sure that he's so glad that God taught him this lesson. And used these events to draw him, as the Bible says, back to himself. God drew him back to the place. He said, he said to him, Jacob, go, go to Laban's, but I will be with you and I will bring you back here. And God did that. Maybe God's gotten a hold of you and he shook you up and he said, he said, hey, you've you're got sin in your life. The consequences are steep. The payment is more than you can afford. Thank God for the cross and the blood that was shed. The only thing, the only thing that could pay for your sins. And maybe as today, as you're looking at this, I, I, I wanted to, I had a series here on deception, 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 deception in the book of Genesis. And then I wanted to see the deceiver deceived. And I wanted to ask you, I wanted to say, maybe there's some sin that you're harboring in your heart. And you're finding the price too steep to pay. It's over your head. And you need that repentance, forgiveness. You need to find salvation at the cross of Jesus. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that that you just wake up and all your problems are solved. But they're all paid for. Paid for eternally. And you you no longer have to worry about eternity separated from God. But you can spend eternity in heaven. Jesus Christ was willing to do that for you. And if the weight of that sin... It's bearing down on you. Give it over to the Lord. Let Him begin to carry you through the consequences you face from that. If you're a deceiver who's found the price too steep to pay, come to the cross tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look here at this life of Jacob. And Lord, as we look at his life and we see how he deceived his father, he deceived his brother. And it wasn't too long after that that someone was coming along, making him promises, offering something that looked, looked good and was switching things on him. And Lord God, as we look out in the world, things look so good. We have a world out there, an enemy, an adversary, who wants to deceive us, wants to destroy us. Help us to live for you, to seek you, and to keep our eyes on you, and to beware 
of the attacks of the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen.